0: It's Saturday, March the 7th, and this is your Morning Briefing from The Economist. Coming up, coronavirus cases top 100,000 and more violence in Kabul. First, the week in brief. China delivered some rare positive news about the coronavirus responsible for COVID-19. No new cases were reported in Hubei province outside Wuhan, the city where the outbreak began. But elsewhere, the picture was gloomier as the number of worldwide cases passed 100,000. Ten-year American bond yields hit another record low as investors fled to safe havens, and Lufthansa said it would cut capacity among its family of airlines by half as travellers stay at home. Gunmen killed at least 27 people and wounded more than 50 others at a ceremony in Afghanistan's capital to commemorate the death of a Shia leader. It is the first major attack in Kabul since the Taliban signed a peace agreement with America a week ago. The Taliban denied any involvement in the killings. Oil prices fell as the organisation of the petroleum-exporting countries failed to agree on cuts in production with its allies at a meeting in Vienna. The coronavirus outbreak has led to softer demand, prompting OPEC to argue for cuts in production throughout 2020. But Russia, a big non-OPEC exporter, has not agreed. America's labour market continued its impressive run. Official figures show that the economy added 273,000 new jobs in February. The number of jobs added in December and January was also revised upwards by 85,000. However, most of the data were collected before the spread of the coronavirus. The next set of figures may be more gloomy. Both main political parties claimed victory in Guyana's election. Tensions have been rising since the poll on March 2nd. Full results are not yet in. At stake is control of an expected oil bonanza that could transform the small Latin American country, putting it among the top ten or so producers in the world. Offshore production started last year. Uzbekistan's president scrapped state control of cotton production, which has long relied on forced labour to meet strict targets. The European Union and America, among others, had boycotted the country's cotton as a result. Ending forced labour is central to President Shavkat Mirziyoyev's efforts to shed Uzbekistan's international pariah status. And Britain's High courts determined that the ruler of Dubai, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al-Maktoum, who had an estate in England, orchestrated the kidnappings of two of his adult daughters. Both were taken back to the United Arab Emirates, Princess Shamsa in 2000 and Princess Latifa in 2018. The court also found the Emir had subjected his sixth wife, Princess Haya, who is suing him, to a campaign of intimidation. And now, here's today's agenda. Fossil record, ancient animal communication. Some say that trees engage in mysterious communication via their roots. Now, fossil evidence in Current Biology, a journal, describes how some of the first animals were linked by webs of organic filaments which they used to reproduce and possibly interact. These fleshy, fern-like creatures are called rangiomorphs. They were sessile, anchored by thick stems to the sea floor, leaving scientists puzzled as to how they managed to colonise swaths of it. Now they believe that they have the answer. The filaments, some as thin as hair, others 4 metres long, branched out to spawn individual clones of the parent, just as strawberry runners do. They might also have helped the rangiomorphs to eat and communicate filaments connecting at least seven individual rangiomorphs were found, a kind of eons-old social network. Whatever secrets the fossils still hold, this research provides a fascinating peek into an alien world, the very ancient past. (laughs) To be Irish, the life of Lady Augusta Gregory. She was undoubtedly one of the architects of modern Ireland. Lady Augusta Gregory, born in Galway in 1852, devoted her life to reviving the nation's ancient folklore. She realised the significance of the tales of fierce warrior gods and mischievous fairies that peppered Ireland's cultural fabric, most of which had never been transcribed. Yesterday, the first exhibition about her life opened at the New York Public Library. It displays dozens of her scribbled letters and manuscripts, as well as photographs. Gregory nurtured and collaborated with aspiring writers, notably W.B. Yeats, and wrote several plays for her beloved Abbey Theatre, which she co-founded in Dublin in 1904. She died in 1932, a decade after Irish independence. Through instilling a sense of heritage, pride and dignity into the elusive concept of Irishness, she played no small part in the often painful birth of an old country. Fun de siècle, Aubrey Beardsley's decadent drawings. Black ink was all he used to horrify, enthrall and charm Victorian London. Aubrey Beardsley, a prolific illustrator whose decadent drawings are now on display at the Tate Britain in London, had no interest in or need for colour. Inspired by Renaissance art, racy French literature, ancient Greek vases and Japanese woodblock prints, Beardsley's saucy monochrome images generated controversy and delight, even after he succumbed to tuberculosis in 1898 at the age of just 25. His drawings complimented Oscar Wilde's scandalous play Salome, which was banned in Britain for its depiction of John the Baptist, his head served up on a plate. As late as 1966, police raided a shop in Regent Street and seized postcard reproductions of Beardsley's work. His mother described him as being like a delicate little piece of Dresden, China when a child, but he grew into a man who boldly proclaimed, if I am not grotesque, I am nothing. Prison Break, Biographical Film Escape from Pretoria, a new film, tells an extraordinary true story. Tim Jenkin, as he himself puts it, was born and bred in South Africa and grew up a normal, complacent white South African who never questioned the apartheid system. After reading Marxist material in 1970 while working in a factory in Britain, Mr. Jenkin returned to his home country and decided that the best way to oppose the regime there was to join the African National Congress. With his friend Stephen Lee, Mr. Jenkin produced pamphlets and disseminated them via explosive leaflet bombs. The pair were arrested in 1978 and sentenced to prison. This tale in itself would make an engaging film, but Escape from Pretoria takes the story on and details the ingenious plot, which involved wooden keys fashioned in the prison's workshop that saw Messrs Jenkin and Lee, as well as Alex Mumbaris, a fellow inmate, abscond only 18 months later. Broadcasting rights. European rugby looks skywards. In 2004, the England and Wales Cricket Board faced a difficult decision. Home test matches had been broadcast on terrestrial television in Britain for decades, but then BSkyB, B, a pay TV firm, offered considerably more money for the rights. The ECB took the cash, promising to invest more in cricket's grassroots. Now the owners of Rugby's Six Nations tournament, which continues this weekend, face the same choice. Negotiations have begun for the next rights cycle and terrestrial broadcasters such as the BBC and ITV will face fierce, possibly insurmountable competition from pay TV and streaming services. New rules seem to prevent them from submitting a joint bid as they did last time. How might Rugby be affected? Cricket's experience provides no clear answer – England teams have been successful on the field, but recreational participation is falling. Broadcasting rights decisions may appear purely financial, but they are actually questions about what sort of sports governing bodies want to run. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Thomas Aquinas, who passed away on this day in 1274. Whatever we do or suffer for a friend is pleasant, because love is the principal cause of pleasure. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast.